as I was just um, thinking before, we said uh, when you become a Christian, you become alive. Um, uh, this book becomes alive too. It says in Hebrews, it's uh, living and active, and it really is. It is living and active, and it uh, really does breathe new life into us, and it becomes this amazing thing, this, the Bible, uh, thousands of years old, but uh, speaks into life today, and it speaks into life in a real, real way, and just meets us right where we're at. So it's a, it's a tremendous thing that God's given us uh, through the gift of His Word, uh, through the Scriptures. So, and that's what we love to do here at Exchange, is uh, open the Bible up and allow God to speak to us. We can hear his voice loudly and clearly and most directly uh, through the scriptures. So, so we love to just uh, let the Bible be opened up and begin to hear God's word uh, into our lives and uh, see us transformed and uh, reshaped to the image of Christ as we uh, let that word take its place. Um, what we are going to do for January is go through the parables, as I said. Now, some of you may be thinking, when are we going to finish Malachi? We've got about sort of half of the way through it. We will get back to Malachi um, at the start of February and we'll finish off the last two or three talks on Malachi then. So we will do the parables uh, through January. So uh, that's where we'll be. Um, let me open up this. Good. Um, I'm sure all of you have had a pet at some time in your life and you still may have a pet now. Could be a dog, could be a cat. And I think uh, pets are a great companion, they're great fun. It's amazing the sort of stuff you get from a pet and uh, the joy you get and the uh, good times you get from a pet as well. They're really, really good fun. But have you experienced that with your pet, they can generally hear you but not always listen? I see a few heads being nodded out there. Hayden was sharing with me earlier today. He said his dog just barked all night last night and kept him up. I'm sure Hayden said, shut up. But I don't think the dog listened, did it, Hayden? He kept barking. They call it maybe selective deafness sometimes. You can tell the dog, or you can tell the cat to come or shush up, and the dog or the cat just says, I'm not doing that. They can hear, but they're not listening. Jesus is going to open up a parable for us today where there's hearers and there's listeners. They're all hearing it, but not all are listening. So if you've got your Bibles, go to... Uh, the book of Mark, chapter 4, and uh, we will read from one verse 1 to verse 25. Uh, this is the parable of the sower, starting at verse 1. And again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen. Mark that word there, listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. 
But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good ground, on the good soil, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Uh, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this parable that Jesus uh, told more than 2,000 years ago. Uh, today uh, we stand here the recipients of this parable. We ask and pray now that uh, you would come, Holy Spirit, and uh, give us ears to hear. More than just ears to hear, a mind to listen and to understand. Help us to heed what Jesus has just said. Listen. Pay attention carefully to what you hear. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, you would do that. And you would do that for the glory of Christ and for our good. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the great methods that Jesus used to teach was with parables, which we just read. Uh, the word itself, the word parable, means to throw alongside of. Now you might think, what's that got to do with parable there? In Jesus' context, it's like, here's a word picture to throw alongside what I'm teaching. It's like something to see. Uh, Jesus would be amongst a group of people, small or large crowds, and he'd be teaching them about the kingdom of God. He may be teaching something hard and very difficult or something peaceful and encouraging. And in doing this, he would engage the hearers with something they could readily grasp to help communicate his message. He would throw alongside a picture or a word picture to help them understand or comprehend what's taking place here as he teaches them. So this method of parables would take everyday examples of life to illustrate a point or to get a message across. We have the sower of the seed here. If you read through the other parts of the Bible, you'll have the woman searching for lost coins. You'll have the king giving out various talents to his subjects. You'll also have a man coming to his friend's house at midnight uh, looking for food. It's a whole series of pictures here that Jesus uses to communicate a point, to throw alongside his teaching so that people would see them. And these were things that the everyday person could understand. Generally the best way to read and understand these parables is to see that there's sort of one main point that Jesus is actually trying to get across as he throws alongside here this word picture to communicate 
uh, what he's trying to tell them. Now, we're not to get carried away with all the side details because sometimes there's a lot of details in these parables. We're not to get, sort of get carried away and distracted by them because they will distract us away from the main point. Something can be said about the details, but we're not to make them the main point. Here we have the parable of a sower and seed. It is similar for us today. It has this uh, main point here, I think, which is uh, leading towards listening. Although when it was first spoken to the disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They couldn't quite see it. They couldn't get the deeper significance here of what Jesus was intending to teach them. The lead up to this parable, which may help us to give us some context or background here, we see Jesus travelling around Palestine uh, prior to teaching alongside this seashore. He's ministering to people with healings and teachings about the kingdom of God. The blind are healed, the deaf can hear again, and Jesus is releasing those who are oppressed and possessed by demons uh, right through the land. He's teaching the truth that's cutting through all the deceptions of lie that they've heard. It's amazing what Jesus is doing as he travels around Palestine. You would think with that sort of stuff happening, the deaf hearing, the blind seeing... And uh, those with demons uh, released, you would be embraced by open arms by all. You would think this guy is a miracle. We need to actually embrace this thing. You would think that all the surrounding villages will be laying out the red carpet for Jesus. Come on in and please heal the sick and teach us this truth. But the ministry of Jesus is meeting with mixed responses, mixed success. Despite its miraculous work on the sick... And despite its penetrating truth that is really setting the oppressed free, not everybody is falling over themselves to come after Jesus. In fact, a good number of the religious people are doubting who he is. And just prior to this in the book of Mark, the religious people, the priests are saying, Jesus, we know how you're doing all these miracles. You're possessed by the Satan. You're possessed by demonic powers. That's some of the responses Jesus is getting as he's travelling around here at this time. He's getting a mixed response to his ministry. This then begins to set the scene somewhat for this parable that Jesus now tells a large crowd that has gathered. The crowd's probably in the thousands because it tells us there was a very large crowd beside the seashore, so big that Jesus has got to get into a boat and sort of just step back a bit and then actually speak to these people. He's very aware, that is Jesus is very aware what's in a person. Nobody needs to tell him what a person is thinking. He's very aware of why they've come to see him. He knows their motivation. He knows exactly where their heart is at. Before Jesus in this crowd today, there's a whole range of people. Some are just curious. Who is this Jesus? Some are just there for the miraculous spectacle. I've heard he makes people jump out of wheelchairs. I'm going to go see that. Some are there just looking for a quick fix to life. Maybe he can just fix up a few problems in my life and I can get back going again. And there are also some there in this crowd who are genuinely captured by who Jesus is and asking questions more and more about him. So let's dig into this parable and see what Jesus is telling us here as he explains the parable of the sower and the seed. First of all, Jesus tells us that a farmer is out sowing his seed, a very common practice in uh, the day of Palestine then. And as he sows this seed, some of the seed falls onto a path. Now you might be thinking, what is the farmer doing throwing seed on the path? There were no fences back in those days for paddocks. They were crisscrossed by paths to get to your plot in the land. So the farmer could be walking along and he's just throwing out the seed and drops on the path. Immediately, the birds come and scavenge the seed and take it away. Here's what Jesus says in verse 15 about that. 
And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. When we talk about the word there, he's talking about the good news of the kingdom. The gospel, we would call that today. The message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus here is describing a person, how they respond to this word of God that is sown into their life. How they respond to the gospel. This will be a person maybe that you share Jesus with as a friend or a family member. This may be someone who comes to a church event and hears the gospel explained or sees it in a DVD or, or any manner of ways that it could come. Here is this word sown. And the picture that Jesus gives us here, it falls on deaf ears. The word is sown, the word is preached, the word is proclaimed, the word is shared, the gospel is actually spoken about and it's like it hits a hard surface and bounces off. Nothing happens. This person isn't even going to give it the time of day. It just bounces off a hard heart. They barely will even give it the courtesy to listen to it right through. Even as they sit there, their mind is a thousand miles away. They're not listening. They may even possibly be thinking, how did I even agree to come to this event? Any range of thoughts could be going through their uh, mind at that time. Their heart is really in no way inclined to what you are talking about. And for all intents and purposes, they look very disinterested. They look disconnected. But for that same person, if you change the conversation to a hobby about clothes or holidays or cars or workshop tools or something else, wow, what a change comes over them then. They engage all of a sudden. They've come alive. They perk up. And all of a sudden they're happy to converse. But when it comes to the gospel, they've got a hard heart and they refuse to listen. Jesus is saying there's a stone cold heart there that makes no attempt to listen. And when that's the case, Satan comes along and easily steals away this seed of the gospel, this word that had been sown into them. This person will not and does not want to process God's word. This person will not and does not want to seriously contemplate the gospel and who Jesus is. Satan comes along merrily, captures them in his net and steals away the word of God and they are left unresponsive to it. Jesus says this explains one type of response here to the gospel. Second type, the next hearer here is the one who falls the rocky ground hearer. Verses 16, 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This person has heard the gospel. And they appear to have embraced it nearly immediately. They've taken it. Actually, I'll buy this. I'll take this, thanks very much. They may have responded to an altar call in the church or they may have seen a DVD or a movie and they just think, yep, that's for me. They've heard what the preachers had to say and they like that. The person is looking around and they're seeing perhaps a whole lot of excitement about this group of people and they're thinking maybe this is where life is at. This is for me. I'd like some of that excitement. This is really where I want to be. They look like they're having a party and I want to have a part of that. They immediately receive it with joy there, uh, he tells us. But, but, but when the hardship of the cross begins to bite in their life, it's like the excitement is now over. 
The party's gone away, the lights have been switched off, and the challenges of being a Christian in a foreign world to Christianity begins to arrive in their life, and maybe they've been ridiculed for the first time for being a Christian because this persecution that says there comes on account of the word, on account of being a Christian. Maybe for the first time they've been challenged about, oh, you're a Christian, what do you want to be a Christian for? And then their response to this persecution is, hey, 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 I never signed up for this. When I signed the commitment card and put my hand up, I didn't sign up for hardship. I didn't sign up for the cross. I didn't sign up for hard times. I'm out. I'm out. It's over. And as quick as they jumped on board with Jesus, they just jump off just as fast. Jesus is really saying this type of hearer never went deep with him. It never went deep with Jesus. They never really had a grasp of the reality of the depths of their own sin and their own brokenness and never really had a grasp of the brokenness of this world and its hostility towards Jesus. Perhaps they never heard the gospel uh, properly or perhaps they just settled at a very, very shallow understanding of who Jesus is. They had no depth about them. They were just there for the joy and the excitement but they weren't prepared there for the tough times because the tough times did come and when they came, this person just bailed out. I'm gone. They didn't want to listen to Jesus deeply and grasp exactly who he is and the cost that is required to follow him in this world. Another hero for Jesus. This third type of hero is the one that Jesus refers to as the one choked out with weeds. Verse 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It's a really vivid picture here that Jesus gives to us. This person's taken time to think about the gospel. They've heard the word, they've listened to the word to some extent, to some extent, and they thought it sounds pretty good. Actually, I like the sound of this gospel. I like the sound of I get eternal life at the end. I never die. That sounds really appealing to me. It sounds like a really good deal. But I think then this person are thinking, can I combine both? Can I combine the very best of everything this world offers? And can I combine that with um, Jesus as well? Can I actually put sort of one foot in the world and can I put one foot in the camp of Jesus? Can I do both? This here is beginning to think, maybe I can have a bet each way. Maybe I can just cover both options in my life because I'm thinking there could be a lot of hardship in this Christian stuff. Maybe I can just keep one foot out there and I can really just you know, still enjoy these things of the world and I can still be getting eternal life on the other side as well. A foot in each camp. They have a bet each way. They will still allow their heart to chase after the things of this world. They will let their heart be filled up with pursuing all the riches this world can offer. They still want to accumulate all the stuff this world has on offer to make my life fill with pleasure and ease. Ultimately with Jesus, you cannot have a divided heart. You cannot have a divided heart. You cannot have a bet each way. You cannot say, well, I'm going to just get everything this world can give me 
And I'm going to, at the same time, I'm going, to, I'm going to cling on to Jesus for eternal life. You can't do that. This is what Jesus says here. These hearers haven't listened carefully to the gospel. They've allowed the things of this world to rise up and begin to take the central place in their heart. It's like competing interests. And eventually the interests of this world have just risen up and overtaken their heart. And it's now beginning to rise up uh, in such a dominating way that it's choking out their life. They may have started off like this beautiful flower blooming in Christ, going well. But then they've allowed all the, the trappings of this world and the desires of this world to come in and to begin to choke out the life of God like a weed chokes out the life of a flower. It's amazing how you, when you sow the garden bed, those flowers come up and they look brilliant. But just as quickly, those weeds come up right alongside. And very soon after, that weed dominates the bed and the flower is gone. This is the picture here that Jesus is giving to us. Someone who wants both, but they've allowed the desires of this world to choke out the life of the gospel. They didn't listen carefully enough to the centrality of Jesus Christ in the, in the, to rule their heart. So they too also fell away. Here's the last person that Jesus talks about now. It's the good soil. This is where the seed is sown into the fertile soil. Verse 20. But those, were sown, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus explains these are the ones who've accepted the gospel and then worked it deep down into a soft heart, allowed it to find fertile ground and got its roots deeply sunk into the heart there. God has graciously opened up their hearts to hear his word and they have drunk deeply the living water of truth, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've grasped the nature of sin and how it has distorted everything, including themselves. They see that. They absolutely buy into that. They understand that this world is hostile towards Christ and his ways. And they know that being a Christian will be met with many challenges to face. They get that. They understand that. Having taken all that on board, their life, though, has borne fruit. A bountiful harvest, it says there. They've gone carefully listening to Jesus and they've gone deep with him. And this has brought about a fruitful transformation in their lives a bountiful harvest in their lives. The character of Christ has become evident in the lives of those who are listening to and obeying Jesus' teaching, just as these ones here in the fertile soil show us. Fruitful. It's a real picture here of this fruitfulness that Jesus talks about. It's quite a remarkable picture here he talks about. Jesus uses those numbers there, 30, 60 and 100. The usual harvest in those days was about a tenfold increase. A good harvest, you might achieve a 30 or a 60, but they were like a one in a thousand years sort of thing. The usual harvest back in those days was a a tenfold increase. So you sowed one seed, you got ten plants. Now Jesus here is talking about a hundredfold increase. Now what Jesus is making here isn't an over-the-top statement at all. Jesus' point here is that the gospel and its power can and will produce, can and will produce unimaginable fruitfulness in their lives. If we let it. Transformational character fruitfulness in our lives will go off the scale if we allow the gospel to go deep in our lives and we listen to it and we work it down deeply. 
The gospel can. Absolutely it can. It can take a man who is plagued by anger and rage and it can produce a man who is radically transformed into a soft, loving person. The gospel can take a person, a woman, who is plagued by jealousy and bitterness and it can radically transform that woman into a compassionate and kind person. Incredible fruitfulness. And this is what Jesus is saying here. Justin even talking about this 30, 60 and 100. He's talking about an absolute abundance that the gospel can produce in our lives that really is off the scales. And this takes place when the word of God is heard carefully, received and taken deeply into our hearts. Really interesting in this parable is that the disciples initially didn't get it. They didn't get it. And I can sort of understand that because in verses 1 to 9, Jesus just sort of spoke very plainly about it sowing the seed. They didn't get it. So it was later when Jesus met with them that he explained to them what the sowing of the seed meant. And that's the explanation we just went through then. But Jesus makes this incredible statement here to these guys in verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. What Jesus is saying to them is this. Salvation is a gift that God freely gives. We've been given the secret of the kingdom. The Spirit freely opens up our eyes to understand what Jesus has done for us at the cross and we've been given this secret of the kingdom. We understand who God is. Our eyes have been opened up. And for those outside the kingdom, everything is in parables. They're just a whole bunch of stories that make no sense at all. For those whom God hasn't yet revealed this secret of the kingdom, the gospel will fall on deaf ears who don't want it. It just bounces. Or they won't listen carefully enough to the message and then for many reasons they will just throw in the towel and walk away. This is what Jesus is saying here. But for those who God has revealed this secret of the kingdom to, you are blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You are finally alive. You have brought into a whole new dimension. You actually understand and grasp who Jesus is and what this world is all about. You can fully begin to comprehend the amazing salvation that God has given to us. He's called us into. It's a life that is full and free. And this is something we must strive towards as believers and followers of Christ, to comprehend this and grow in this for this incredible salvation that Jesus has called us into and and achieved for us. So what are we to do with this parable? What does Jesus want us to take away from this teaching as we think about that today and as we apply it to our hearts and think about, okay, why has Jesus shared this story? Surely one of the things that must come out of that, we must be worshipping and uh, thankful people that the secret of the kingdom of God has been revealed to us and it's produced a bountiful change of uh, abundant harvest in uh, transformational character living. There's a big long sentence, isn't it? It must produce worship and thanksgiving within us that God has changed our lives, revealed the secret of the kingdom to us and allow that gospel to come in and transform our lives. This must produce uh, worship. It must produce thanksgiving. Jesus, though, also wants us to be sowers of the word. He wants us to actually join in and to be just like that farmer and sowing the word. The disciples could have easily said, well, this. Well, if you're going to reveal to people the secret of the kingdom, how about we just wait over here on the side, Lord, until you do that? 
You just do the revealing and we'll just wait on the side and wait for them to come in. Jesus addressed that and the very next thing he says straight after this parable because he could see perhaps the disciples might start to think that way. Verses 21 and 23, he says to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying, you've been given a gift. You've been given a gift. You've been given the secret of the kingdom. And a gift is to be shared. You've been given the light of truth. You've had the light of truth break into the darkness of your mind. What are you to do with this light? How do you handle it? Do you hide it away? Do you cover it up so that no one can see it? And what Jesus says there, do you put it under the bed so no one will see it and just keep it as a further secret? What's Jesus say? No. Bring the light out. Let it be seen. Bring the word out. Let it be seen. Let it be heard. Bring it out and sow the seed of the gospel. Bring it out and sow the secret of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, don't hide it. Bring it out. Let everybody know who Jesus is. Let's make known what the secret of the kingdom of God is. It's the coming of his son to rescue us and to redeem us and to break the chains of sin and bondages in our lives and to set us free from all the lies of this world. How could we possibly keep to ourselves the secret of the kingdom? Jesus says, bring it out. Become sowers of the word. Become tellers of the gospel. Become people who speak about it. Jesus is not telling us to be soil inspectors. Hang on. This guy is a really hard footpath. I'm not going to bother wasting my time with him. The seed is just going to bounce off and Satan's going to take it away. Hang on. This lady's only here for the excitement of Jesus. I can tell that as soon as the going gets tough, she's just going to jump off. No point talking to her. Jesus is not telling us to be soil inspector. He's saying, bring it out. Share it. Sow it. Speak it. Declare it. Make it known. A third point here that we can take away from this as well. Jesus wants us here in this parable to urge us to listen. To urge us to listen. Right back in verse 3, right near the start, he says, listen. Listen. It's, it's an emphatic word there, that word listen. You might see with an exclamation mark there in your Bible. It's an emphatic word. And in the Greek, where the Bible was originally written, it has with this this imperative action. It's like a command. Jesus is saying, listen. Listen. And not only listen, but listen carefully. Because there's a big difference between hearing and listening. A really big difference. I can hear lots of things going on around about me in conversations all around this room at times. In a, in a crowd of people, it's just voices coming from all directions. And they're all registering as something as I'm hearing, but not listening to them really. What I'm doing is listening to the person who's talking to me if I'm amongst a crowd. I'm hearing all this other noise. I'm hearing it, but I'm not listening to it. I'm listening to the one who's right in front of me that I'm talking to. And when I'm doing that, I mean this. I'm listening to them attentively. 
I'm actually giving them my attention. I'm thinking about what they are saying when I listen to them. I'm processing it. I'm forming a response. I'm calculating it in my mind. I'm not just hearing, I'm listening. I'm processing. I'm listening carefully and clearly. It means I'm not allowing myself to be distracted out in all sorts of other ways. I'm listening so that I can hear carefully and I can process what they're saying to me. And as we look through this parable, we can see the very same thing happening. They were all hearing, but they weren't all listening. In verse 24, Jesus says it again. And he said to them there in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. Jesus is telling us here, listen. Pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. You see, this is part of the brokenness of the sin in our lives. We may hear, but we don't listen. We may hear, but we don't listen. Very often we hear what we want to hear, and then we close our minds off to listening to the rest of what is being said. I'll hear part of it, and listen to part of it, but then I begin to hear, I hear the rest, but I'll close my mind off and not listen to the rest of what's said. Sometimes it can be you're getting instructions from a manager at work but you personally don't like this manager. This person really gets up your nose and they're coming to give you instructions. You're hearing them, but you're not really listening to them. You're hearing what they're saying, but you're not listening clearly and carefully. Jesus wants us to listen to him. It's imperative. It's urgent. We must listen. You see, Jesus holds out to us the words of truth and life. And if we don't listen to him, we do this at our own peril. If we just hear and then not listen, we do this at our own peril. Because it tells us at the end of the, uh, in the Bible that we'll all be held to account for what we've heard in this life on the day of judgment. There'll be no excuse. God will hold us to an account for what we've heard. Did we listen? If we want to be saved from God's judgment, his righteous judgment, then we must listen to Jesus. If we want to be transformed and have our lives rescued from the chains of sin and all of its bondages in our lives, we must listen to Jesus. We must listen. So as we finish here, I ask you this question. Are you a hearer? Or are you a listener? Are you a hearer? Or are you a listener? Is Jesus just another voice making up the background noise in your life? Is it just one of the many conversations that are floating around about you, part of all the sounds you may hear in this world, that you're hearing but you don't listen to? Maybe you just come here today and you just zone out. Or is Jesus someone you're listening to? Are you listening attentively to Jesus? Are you taking in and thinking about his word? Are you applying it to your life to produce within you a bountiful character transformation? Are you a hearer or are you a listener? Let's pray.